Well, good morning, everyone. Once again, welcome to Calvary. Thank you so much for being here uh, and joining us for worship today, whether you're here in the worship center, whether you're over in the chapel or joining us at our Minnetonka campus, um, or if you're watching from anywhere else online, we're just super grateful to all be together this morning, uh, lifting up the name of the Lord. So thanks for being here. Uh, my name is Dagny. I am the pastor of traditional worship and care here at Calvary. And I'm really excited to be with you all as we continue on in our sermon series called Asking for a Friend. Uh, today, we're going to be taking a look at another really big and important question that we received from you when we asked for submissions for this series. And it's a question that I think we have probably all asked ourselves at one point or another. And the question is, does prayer make a difference? Now, questions about prayer could easily fill up an entire sermon series or multiple sermon series because it is such a rich and complex and nuanced topic. And I think often our questions about prayer become a vicious cycle. I know mine certainly do. And I think we're asking ourselves these complex questions a lot these days as we see atrocities happening in our world. We see wars breaking out. We see the horror of what is happening in Israel and in the Middle East. We see news stories about innocent lives being destroyed and about political upheaval and injustice. And I don't know about you, but I find myself wondering how to pray, why to pray, and to be quite honest, I even find myself just frozen sometimes, unsure about what to do or what to say. And all of these big and complex and nuanced questions about prayer are extremely important and worth asking and discussing. And for our message today, we're going to be focusing mainly on the kinds of prayers that we pray when we are asking God for specific things, when we come to him with what scripture calls a petition. Do those kinds of prayers make a difference? And as I sat to prepare for the sermon today, it occurred to me that this question doesn't usually just come from a general curiosity. Instead, more often than not, this question comes from a deep and personal experience with prayer, usually the experience of having a prayer go what we call unanswered. Maybe you've prayed for your health or your relationships. Maybe you've prayed about issues with money or addiction, but whatever the case may be, I think it's probably safe to say that each one of us has experienced this so-called unanswered prayer. The Bible tells us a lot of stories about people whose prayers seemingly don't work. I think almost immediately of David, who prayed and fasted and pleaded with God for the life of his sick son. But then in 2 Samuel, we read that the child died. Or I think of Job, who cried out to God in the midst of his suffering, saying, I cry out to you, O God, but you do not answer. Paul asked the Lord three times that the thorn would be removed from his flesh but it stayed there. Jesus himself asked that the suffering of the cross would be taken from him, and it wasn't. Now, these figures in the Bible were not rebels or idolaters or ungodly people. They were the righteous. And in Jesus' case, the very son of God. How then do we reconcile the reality of these stories and the reality of our own stories 
with verses like James 5, 16 that says, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Now the world, with its wide range of religions and belief systems and outlooks, will often try to explain this disconnect by trying to persuade us that there is no God or that God is absent and doesn't care, or even that God is weak and couldn't even help if he wanted to. Now, as believers and followers of Christ, we know that that is not the case. But the questions are still there. And so this morning, I want to take us through some key truths about that disconnect that we feel. Key truths about God and about prayer that I hope will help us and encourage us when our prayers don't seem to make a difference or when they don't seem to matter or when they don't seem to work. And we'll start with a really big one. The truth is that God answers prayer according to his will, not ours. Now I grew up loving Disney movies and I still do. And one of my favorite characters was the genie in the movie Aladdin. He was voiced by Robin Williams. Uh, He was full of humor and wit and charm. He sang fantastic songs. And of course, he was the granter of wishes. And when I was little, I often thought how wonderful it would be to have such a genie to grant my every wish. But as I got older, and as I began to grow in my faith, I of course learned that A, life is not a fairy tale, And B, God is not a magic genie in a lamp. God is the Almighty, sovereign over all creation, which means that he is under no rule or authority outside of himself. And scripture is actually very clear about this. In 1 Chronicles chapter 29, it says, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and on earth is yours. Yours, O Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. God is sovereign He is the Almighty, which means that he has all authority and all power. And so he operates according to his will, not according to our wish lists or our whims. Imagine for a moment how awful that would actually be if instead of acting according to his will as God over all, he just acted as a wish granter. If he answered and acted in the affirmative to each and every prayer from each and every person in the world. The result would be the horrifying combination of all selfish and sinful human desires paired with God's unending and unlimited power. That is the perfect recipe for chaos and disaster. And so God in his love and in his wisdom, doesn't operate that way. Instead, he operates according to his will. And Romans 12 tells us that the will of God is good 
and acceptable and perfect. And Romans 8 tells us that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. God operates and answers prayers according to his good and perfect will. But please do not misunderstand what I am saying this morning. Just because God doesn't bend to our will doesn't mean that he doesn't want to hear from us or that he doesn't value or listen to our prayers. He is the almighty and the sovereign God whose will cannot be shaken, but he is also a personal and present God. The overwhelming emphasis of Jesus's teaching and practice of prayer was that God is keenly interested in us. That he is a God who desires that we bring our requests, our petitions, and our praises to him, both big and small, no matter what they are. God wants to hear from us, to commune with us, and to have a close and trusting relationship with us. That's why the scriptures also say things like, pray without ceasing, and don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. But when we do... We are told and taught to do so with the faith and the humility to say, but not my will, yours be done, O Lord. Jesus himself taught us to pray these words when he taught the disciples what we call the Lord's Prayer. The prayer says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. He also demonstrated this prayer for us in the Garden of Gethsemane. As Jesus was about to head to his own execution, so filled with fear that the scriptures tell us that he literally began to sweat blood, Jesus fell on his knees before God the Father and prayed that this task would be taken from him and that God would please find another way. And then he spoke the words, yet not as I will, but as you will. Jesus prayed with faith, and with humility before God the Father. And we know that ultimately God's will prevailed and that after the crucifixion, Jesus rose victorious over the grave. Sometimes God says not yet or even no to our prayers and our petitions because they are not now and perhaps they will never be a part of his divine will and plan And that can be an extremely difficult thing for us to understand, especially when we see and experience things like disease and pain and suffering. We ask ourselves, how could the removal of this pain and suffering not be a part of God's good and perfect will? And that actually brings us very nicely into the second truth this morning. God sees the bigger picture and we don't. Isaiah forty-eight seventeen says, I am the Lord your God, who teaches you what is best for you, who directs you in the way you should go. And Second Chronicles sixteen nine says, For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. God desires the best for us. 
And the reality is that God's no is not an unanswered prayer, but rather it is sometimes the absolute best answer for us and the best answer to bring about his will. Now that doesn't mean that our prayers come from bad motives or that they are short-sighted or that they're silly or that we didn't pray with the right words or for the right amount of time. It's that God knows so much better than we do. He sees the whole picture and knows the entire story from start to finish, whether it's our story as individuals or the entire story of humanity. God sees it all. Some of you may know that I have been dealing with chronic pain for the past several years, and I've spent much time in prayer asking God to remove that pain. And in fact, just yesterday, I actually threw out my lower back, which is why I'm sort of moving around a lot up here, which unfortunately happens quite often. Um, And I spent last night crying and praying things like, God, don't you know that I have things to do? Don't you know that I have to preach tomorrow? I don't have time or energy to waste on this pain. And I wanted God to heal me right then and right there. I want God to heal me right here and now, but because I I wonder what possible good could come from being in pain for weeks and months and even years on end. But God, in his perfect and infinite wisdom, knows the ultimate outcome of our requests. And so even today, as I am preaching this message, I am being reminded that if God had answered my prayers immediately and in the way that I so desperately wanted— I would have missed some very important things. I would have missed being able to understand even more what people suffer when they have long-term pain. And I would have missed understanding some of the psychological feelings that people carry when they face deep uncertainty. I would have missed out on learning to become a better and more empathetic pastor, and I would definitely have missed out on continuing to learn how to fully depend on God instead of on myself. My prayers, although prayed honestly and with the best of intentions, were somehow not what God had for me and not what was best for me. And God knew that even though I still don't quite understand why. Not every situation has clear silver linings or lessons that we're meant to learn. And that can be a very painful reality. And sometimes our prayers don't turn out the way we hope. And it's incredibly difficult and sometimes even impossible to see or know why. But when God doesn't grant us our desires or our prayers, we are guaranteed that it is rooted in his overflowing wisdom and love, even when we can't see it that way. God has not miraculously healed me, and I was painfully reminded of that last night, but I remember the promise of Romans 8 that says, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. God sees with an eternal eye. And the reality is that we see with blinders on. I know I certainly do. Which brings us to truth number three. Sometimes when our prayers are answered, we miss it. 
There's a story in the book of Acts, and it's in chapter 12, and it's a story about Peter. King Herod was persecuting the church, um, and at this point in the story, James had been killed, and Peter had been arrested, and he was bound and in chains in prison, and he was surrounded by 16 guards. And scripture records that other believers were earnestly praying to God for Peter. Now, the night before he was supposed to be on trial, an angel appeared and rescued Peter from prison, and he was free. And then in Acts chapter 12, verses 12 through 16, it says, Then he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. Peter knocked at the outer entrance, and a servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed that she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter is at the door. You're out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said, it must be an angel. But Peter kept on knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. This group of faithful believers was sitting in their home, praying desperately and faithfully. Prayers like, Lord, keep Peter's faith strong while he's in prison and keep him safe from his enemies. Beautiful and loving prayers right from their hearts. And then God turns and miraculously rescues Peter from his prison cell. He doesn't only protect him, but he rescues Peter. And their response to this amazing news is, you're out of your mind. The story has always made me wonder, when we ask God for something, do we actually expect God-sized responses? So often we fail to see the answers to our prayers because they don't look exactly the way we expected. We keep our eyes out for something so specific that when the answer finally does come, we miss it. Or we become so impatient that by the time our desperate prayers have been answered, we've lost all hope or we've forgotten about the prayers that we prayed. Psalm 77 is filled with the kinds of questions that I think we ask ourselves when we are waiting for the Lord to answer our prayers. Questions like, has his steadfast love vanished? Are his promises at an end? Has God forgotten to be gracious and merciful? In our impatience and our blindness, we begin to wonder if God has turned away from us. But I love what Paul says in Colossians. In chapter four, verse two, Paul says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Paul encourages us to be watchful in prayer, not to miss what God is doing. The word watchful here refers to a spiritual watchful attitude and can even be translated as stay wide awake. Rather than going to sleep on the job after spending time in prayer, we are told to keep our eyes open and keep watch to see how God is moving. Paul teaches us to be focused 
in our prayers. He paints this picture of a believer who has prayed long and hard and then says, stay awake, stay on your guard, keep watch. Paul also reminds us to be thankful, to take a stance of faith and a stance of praise even before our prayers are answered. Because it's hard to be discouraged and defeated when we are continually thankful to God for his goodness and his faithfulness. And so Paul teaches us to be filled with thanksgiving, even as we keep our eyes open and alert and to remain faith-filled as we watch to see what the Lord will do. Now, although these three truths are hopefully helpful in understanding God and how he works a bit more, I would be lying if I said that all of my questions were answered. And I imagine many of you feel the same way. Because even though all of these things are true, I still wonder on just about every level, do my prayers really make a difference? And this will bring us to the fourth and the final truth for today. And if you only remember one of them, I hope it's this one. The truth is that ultimately, the purpose of prayer is not to get what we want, but to strengthen our faith and our trust in God. When Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane that the cup would pass and that his life would be spared and that God would somehow find another way, he didn't get what he asked for. He still died on the cross and was betrayed and denied by his closest friends. Jesus was the most righteous person who ever lived, and he still came before God and asked for something that he didn't get. But in the same breath as his request, he trusted God and his will. And I don't know about you, but I want my prayers to look more like that. See, Jesus introduced us to a father who so wants to connect with us. And through his brutal death and miraculous resurrection, through the tearing of the veil in the temple and through the empty tomb, Jesus secured for us an open communication with God who genuinely invites us into a relationship with him. All prayers especially the real and honest and vulnerable ones, the ones filled with fear and with doubt and confusion, demonstrate a turning to God, the good and loving father in faith and in trust, meaning that honest prayer is never ineffective and always makes a difference because God hears it and he draws near. Psalm 145 promises us that the Lord is near to all who call on him. The purpose of prayer is not to get things from God. It is not to try and change God's mind or to do our best to pry blessings out of his hands. So let's stop letting those things be the measurement by which we determine if prayer makes a difference. Prayer is the most incredible and practical way that we can live our lives with a growing appreciation and trust 
and awareness of God's real presence with us, even in the midst of tragedy and pain and disappointment and the brokenness of this world. Prayer in itself, regardless of the so-called outcome, is an incredibly bold act of connection and dependence on God, our Father. As humans, we have a deep desire to know things, to understand how things work and why they work the way they do and to have immediate access to all the information and to see immediate results. We find so much comfort in certainty and in knowing. But I love what Paul says in 1 Corinthians that we heard Reagan read earlier. At present, we are looking at a puzzling reflection in a mirror. The time will come when we will see reality whole and face to face. At present, all I know is a little fraction of the truth. But the time will come when I shall know it as fully as God has known me. Prayer, then, and the God to whom we pray is not best described as a genie or as an unreliable vending machine that only sometimes works. And it's not merely a religious activity that we need to fully understand or clearly be able to explain in order to partake in and find meaningful. No, instead, prayer is the mysterious and glorious gift of relationship and of communication with a great and good God who sees the entire picture and who moves in unexpected ways and who invites us into a relationship of faith and deep trust with him. So keep on praying because your prayers are not in vain and God hears you. At Calvary, we believe this. We believe in the power of prayer. And so during our final song together, as we join in worship, we want to invite you to pray. We will have members of the prayer team up at the front who would love to pray with you or for you, but you are of course welcome to stay in your seat and pray there as well. But come to God and pray that his will would be done in your life and in this world. Come and thank God that he sees the bigger picture even when we don't. And come and pray for eyes to see the wonders of his hands. Pray in faith and in trust, bringing everything and anything to him, trusting that he is faithful and that he keeps his promises and that he really does work for the good of those who love him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning filled with just awe and wonder that you are the God Almighty, that you are the creator of all things and that you desire to know us and to hear from us. And so God, hear our prayers and turn our eyes to 
your goodness and your perfect will for the lives of your people. Draw us closer to you as we bring our requests and our petitions to your feet. And Lord, give us the patience and the eyes to see you move and build up our faith and our trust in you. Even even when in your wisdom, Lord, you choose not to give us what we ask for. Show us your goodness, Lord. Show us your glory. And help us to have a faith that says, even when you do not move in the ways that we hope, that you are still a good and gracious God. Not our will, but yours be done, O Lord. We pray this all in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.